I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Ladies, this is the show that's here to give you stories of hope and healing from someone who has been there, someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Plus, she's a virtuous woman who can help you find that woman in your life. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free on TogiNet. And now, here is your host, Minister Diane Jones. All right. Hey, hello, hello. Hey, people. How are you? I hope you are well. I am well. It is that time again. I'm live with you tonight. Um, usually I do every other week, but we were off a week uh, last month, I believe, because of the holidays. So here I am. Okay. This is our primary media platform. By our, I mean Equipping the Saints Ministry. We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Orbeez also, but this is our primary platform. So I am making a special effort to um, keep it going, to restore the, uh, the, the viewers. Uh, when I took time off to start my new job, uh, our stats started slipping, and I just needed that time to adjust, but here I am. I'm still at it. I'm still committed, okay? I just happen to be sipping one of my favorite teas. I haven't talked about my teas, I don't think, in a minute, but this is one of my rooibos teas, and it's been so cold out here. It's been like winter weather, actually. It's been dropping to the 30s. And even, I believe, like the high 20s at night. And so today was just kind of cold, and I said, you know, I would love to have something warm and cozy. Excuse me. So I made some albundigas soup, and I was woofing it down before (laughs) 7 p.m. came along. Just wanted to share that with you. I hope you all had a a good, warm, uh, comforting meal. And so here we go. Here we go. Tonight I am talking about restoring the art of caring. I haven't talked about this in a long time. This is one of my passions because I am not just a minister. In addition to being uh, a a mother, um, Having been a wife for over 20 years, I am also a registered nurse. And the art of caring is a passion of mine. It has been for over 30 years. Um, I always have to try to count, and um, I think it's probably, my goodness, I'm about to be 60 so it's actually probably 
roughly about 35 years or more, if you count all of my experience from high school being a CNA to an LVN to an RN. So anyway, if you've been listening, then you know I went back to work um, a few months ago um, in the nursing field. I did that um, in order to meet some financial needs that I had after losing my hubby. So I took, well, actually, I didn't take a few days off. We had had the Thanksgiving uh, day and the following day off, so I had a four-day weekend. I was thankful about that. I returned to work this past Monday. Did a did a Monday through Friday stint, <laughs> and I'm telling you, by the end of the week, I was seriously tried. You know how the Bible talks about being tried in the fire. <laughs> I was tried. I survived. <laughs> I was troubled. Some things happened that made my heart um, heavy and concerned. And I was also motivated, motivated and reminded of my mission to restore the art of caring. That's how I came up with tonight's topic, okay? Excuse me. So as some of you may know uh, and may have read my book already, The Story of Me, A Black Nurse, um, I at one time had left the um, healthcare field um, altogether. I had left the healthcare field altogether. That was uh, what prompted my book, the circumstances and the experiences that I had had in the healthcare profession. Um, I finally ended up just walking away from nurses, nursing for a season. Okay. So, I want to remind you of why I took a break for a while and then tie that back into my current motivation (laughs) and passion to inspire others in my profession. You know, I couldn't get away from it. In my profession to restore the art of caring to the health care, to the medical field. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from the book itself, okay? Um, I'm going to go all the way towards the end of the book. You're not really supposed to do that, I guess, if you want someone to buy your book, but this is only going to give you, um, it's only going to wet your whistle, okay? (laughs) And hopefully inspire you to get the book. And not only that, but inspire you to share with others, and motivate anybody that you know that might be in the healthcare profession. So I'm going to read starting from chapter 16, and it reads as thus. Once again, I was excited and looking forward to something new. When I interviewed at the new place, I was surprised to learn that the manager was an old classmate of mine from uh, Santa Barbara City College. Her name was Marie. In the book, I changed the names to protect uh, 
the identities of my of the of the people. Um, she was young, small, in stature, and Philippine. Her speech was broken, her affect flat, but I dismissed my initial feelings about my first encounter with her. I was used to it. I did notice her lack of femininity and her attire was that of a man. After our interview, she told me Norma would need to interview me too. I went back for a second interview. Norma was also Philippine. Her affect was even flatter than Marie's. I could not read her expressions. She was well-dressed. She appeared to be more feminine than Marie. I noticed uncomfortably how closely they worked together. I later named them the Asian persuasion. Roberta had warned me about their relationship, but also downplayed its relevance. I had the sense that they would stick together through thick or thin. This concerned me, but I play, but I believed it shouldn't matter. I would simply do my job and go home at the end of the day. Oh, I could ad-lib on some of this. I could ad-lib on some of this, but I'm going to stick to the reading material. I, But I'm going to repeat what I just read, okay? Uh, I'm going to repeat it. This concerned me, but I believed it shouldn't matter. I would simply do my job and go home at the end of the day. After they reviewed my resume, I asked some questions. I'd heard things about the center even before Roberta mentioned it to me. They were not good things. They couldn't keep staff. I asked why other nurses had left, what would be expected of me, things like that. I made it clear that I was interested in the position but nervous because I'd never done this type of work before. This type of work, well, let me stick to the reading. Let me stick to the reading. After some reassurance and an agreement to pay me what I asked for, I was hired. The one stipulation was that I would not get my increase until I passed my orientation period of two months. Under the circumstances, I thought this was fair. Out with the old, on to the new, I was going to be a dialysis nurse. When I was in school, the thought of doing dialysis petrified me. I was so detailed. I'm sorry, it was so detailed and required so much responsibility. I realized that I'd grown considerably to even consider doing it now. Like many other areas in nursing, dialysis had changed a great deal too. About a week before I was to start orientation for my new job, I had this dream. I'll pick up reading about the dream when I come back from the break. So hang on to your horses. (laughs) Get your hot beverage if you don't have it. Get your little snack. I'm going to have a few more bites of my soup 
while I, uh, you know, while we go to break. So I'll be right back. the tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Equipping the Saints Ministries. Our mission is to equip and mature the people God calls to do the things they are called to do with confidence and boldness, to create soldiers for the army of the Lord, and to impact our communities. We are home-based in Waldorf, Maryland. If you would like more information, you may email us at etsministriesinc at gmail.com or write to us at ETS Post Office Box 72 Waldorf, Maryland 20602 If you are not local you may participate via conference calls and we can make information available to you by email ETS The Story of Me is a captivating and inspiring account of a woman able to overcome incest, physical abuse, abandonment, and neglect to find a second chance at happiness. It is a story for those who have been rejected, who have dreamt and fallen short, who have survived traumas such as molestation, rape, or incest. The story of me is very inspirational for those who may find themselves in Jones's story. You may purchase your copy of the story of me online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, or any of the major bookstores. The story of me. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, people. I am talking about restoring the art of caring. I'm hoping to inspire anybody, anybody who listens to this who is part of the healthcare profession to do that, to ensure that caring, C-A-R-I-N-G, is a part of what 
you do, regardless to your employer's standards, okay? Here's the dream. 329.04. These are excerpts from my, um, from my actual journal that I put in the book. Me at work looked like, felt like the villa, but I could not see well. It was as though my sight was veiled. I could see things when I looked down, but not when I looked up. Alberta came to me in the hallway. I said hello. I was glad to know she was there. She was reserved and distant. I wanted to hug her, but didn't. She began to tell me things to do. She asked me, did I have my face slash head shield on? I told her I did not, but began to cry because I could not see. She did not seem to be concerned. I asked her, where do I get the shield from? Before I could go into the utility room to look for it, she warned me that the lady in charge was coming towards me. The lady came and asked me about my shield. I told her I'd been instructed about it, but hadn't had the chance to get it yet. I didn't know where to get it from. Started to explain the need for it to me, but seemed to be understanding. I got the feeling that Alberta was trying to make me nervous. Okay, pay attention to that, all right? I'm going to cover as much of this as I can of 16 and 17. I remember waking up disturbed. As you already know, I did not fully trust Alberta. I knew if she was in my dream, this could not be good. I knew that someone from my past was going to cause me anguish again. I prayed, oh, Lord, not again. But I felt peace in my spirit that it would not be the same as before, so I reported to work for orientation when I was supposed to. From the outside, the center did not even look like a medical facility. Let me pass that up because that will take a little bit too long. Let's see. I go into talking about um, what we did there and the machines and how much, how long each treatment lasted and some of those details, but I don't want to take too much time up on that. So let me go to page 138 and start with my first day of orientation. The first day of orientation, I was glad to see a familiar face. Does that sound familiar? I was looking forward to working with someone I knew. I knew we had some differences, but felt we were both mature enough to work through them. When I saw Roberta, I wanted to hug her, but her body language told me not to. She acted like she didn't know me. I was puzzled and disturbed by this. We'd shared meals at each other's homes. What was this all about? Question mark. Roberta called me later that evening to see how my day went. She explained that she was not ignoring me to be mean. She was playing the game. If they think we really know each other or get along too well, they will start tripping with us, she said. I knew this to be a true assessment, 
but did not feel we had to hide who we were to the extent that we ignored each other at work. For some of y'all, you would have to read my book, but um, I'm talking about racial issues in this book as well. And so what she was describing is one of the things that many black people do deal with, and that is um, if there's if it's evident that you get along or that you have a relationship with one another on a job where you are not the majority, you are scrutinized, you are observed, you are watched extra closely. This is what she was referring to, okay? Naturally, I talked with my husband about the situation. He told me not to trust her just like he had told me not to trust Alberta. At some point after the discussion with my husband, I remembered my dream. This was the way Alberta had behaved in my dream. I made a mental note of this and braced myself for whatever was next. Characters in dreams are not always exact, but I knew this was symbolic. Okay, then we go on to talk more about the schedule and um, who the supervisor was and things of that nature, Uh, my training. So then let me skip down to page 139. Roberta began to complain to me about Marie and other staff members. The confusion disorganization, and the preferential treatment of certain staff members. I did not want to be involved in any mess, so I mostly listened and tried to encourage her that things would work out. Then she began to complain to me about me. You're getting better training than I got. Marie didn't show me that. I had one tech show me one time how to do that. I didn't know what was done before I came. I was not responsible for Roberta's training or treatment. Did you say anything to Marie? Question mark, I asked. Did you tell her you were not comfortable with that yet? I asked. She'd say, no. When I'm not comfortable with something, I speak up. This is what I told her. I asked questions. I told her, well, she did. I told her this, that I asked questions. Well, she did not like the way they were treating her, and she did not like the way I handled myself in the environment that we shared. That's another common situation that occurs um, amongst blacks. I remember a movie called something, I think it was called something that the, that God made, and it um, it was the story about the doctor, oh, I can't remember his name, but he was a black man who did the first, he did studies with blue babies and um, uh, creating the surgeries that could save their lives. But in that movie, there's there's an intense scene where because of his skills and his abilities, he was getting recognized. Now, he was still being persecuted. He was still being mistreated, but he was also getting some recognition, and he got to wear a lab coat, and he got to get paid better because he was actually doing more than the basic requirements of the the job, 
they started giving him a few perks like his own phone because they it was necessary that they be able to reach him and one of his coworkers one of his coworkers who was also a black man became angry with him and began to persecute him and tell him you ain't nothing you ain't nobody special although he was okay so this is what i was basically dealing with roberta turned against me when she saw that she could not influence me negatively or positively in the situation, she began to harass me. She began to stir up trouble for me. Since I'm talking about racism, let me go on record as saying black-on-black prejudice is the worst. The worst thing that we as black people can do is allow others to divide us. Even if we don't agree about how and what to do, we should maintain a united front. Don't get me wrong, though. I will not go along with mess to appear united. I can't stand strife and confusion. Everything went downhill from there. And I need to pause here because this is not in the book, but I I want to explain what the downhill was. Not only didn't Alberta, I'm sorry, Roberta, not not only did Roberta turn against me, but she began to stir up others against me. And the Filipino staff began to tease me. Um, I made the mistake of letting them know that I was pregnant. I was very excited about being pregnant at that time in my life. They began to tease me for being pregnant. Uh, they began to sabotage, try to sabotage my work, try to set me up to make mistakes and, um, you know, um, um, do something wrong. Um, for whatever, I don't even know why to, well, I do know what I believe, but um my supervisor ended up telling us that there was a new position open that would have been a little bit less demanding for me as a pregnant woman. And I had been there at that time, by that time, I think about maybe nine months, I'm thinking. But instead of giving me that position, they hired someone off the street with absolutely zilch, no experience in dialysis. I at least had nine months under my belt. And then they retaliated against me when I complained about how I was being treated. So that's what I mean by things went downhill after Roberta turned against me. It's that time. I'll come back after the break. the tragic past shattered your future or your now don't let it this is i'm not the woman i used to be i'm free with minister diane jones and we'll be right back after these it's the fitness minute with fitness expert annette hammond biceps muscles are a characteristic part of the upper arm and when they are strengthened they become defined hard and strong 
The Latin phrase for biceps muscle means two-headed muscle of the arm. The biceps crosses both the shoulder and elbow joints. Both heads arise on the scapula and join to form a single muscle belly, which is attached to the upper forearm. Because we use biceps muscles a lot in everyday use, they are usually one of the strongest muscles of your arm. Lifting weights and resistance exercises are the best ways to build the muscle, and there are a variety of biceps curls to choose from. You can do dumbbell curls, hammer curls, 21s, preacher curls, concentration curls, barbell curls, incline dumbbell curls, cable curls, and more. Be sure to include bicep curls in some form in your weightlifting routine for chiseled arms. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. (laughs) A black nurse. This narrative is about the struggles of being a black woman and a black professional in a society bound with racial and gender bias. She has hopes, dreams, needs, a purpose, and aspirations, but faces constant opposition to fulfilling these basic human requirements. Like so many people of color before her, she achieves some measure of success, but her success is minor compared to what she must do to achieve it. It's time for a change. Get your copy today from authorhouse.com, this show's host page, or any major book retailer like amazon.com. A black nurse. <laughs> I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. Okay, it's me. I'm talking to you about restoring the art of caring, and I'm reading to you from my book, The Story of Me, A Black Nurse. You just heard the commercial for it. I was sitting here rocking to the commercial, y'all, because <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. I share for the purpose of inspiring. I share for the purpose of exposing the truth, Okay but giving people hope in the process, something to work towards, something to look forward to, we can make the change. Us as individuals, we have to make the change. So let me pick up where I was reading at um, so I can get through this. What I'd seen in my dream had come true. We had to wear face shields. Sometimes they were uncomfortable because they impaired our vision. Roberta began to give me mixed or false information to confuse me and cause me stress. I will not go into more detail than this. That's what I put in the book. I actually just gave you guys a little more detail than what I actually put in the book. (laughs) Okay. I resigned from that company. 
but this time I filed a complaint against this employer for discrimination. Out of all the horrible situations I'd experienced, this one topped it off. The more I thought about it and analyzed things, I realized that the people who gave me a hard time were the Philippine staff. They were the clique this time. You know, jobs have cliques. In case you didn't know that, like if you're a newbie to the workplace, I'm here to tell you, jobs have cliques, okay? Every, almost, almost every job, well, let me, let me, let me stick to what I was about. Every job that I've ever been on has cliques, okay? Every church that I've been a part of has cliques. Sadly, it's not supposed to be the case in church, but many churches are not operating the way they're supposed to be operating according to the Word of God. So in the book, I say they were the click this time. They did not treat all the nurses this way because the other nurses submitted to their intimidation. I would not. I don't know. I guess it's just the way I'm designed. I'm ad-libbing at this point, you guys. I have just never been one to be a follower. Um, that's not true. There was a very short period in my life when I, well, I don't even know if I was being a follower. When I was being rebellious and acting out as a teenager, I had my own little crew that I would do stuff with. I don't know if I was being a follower. I think I was doing what I wanted to do because I was being rebellious at the time. But I've never been a follower I've never been one to go along to get along. I do not let people intimidate me into making wrong decisions or trying to fit in if I don't agree, okay? Um, I know how to be a team player, but I will not be a team player if what I'm being forced and intimidated to do is wrong. There's where I draw the line, okay? I was sick of it, exclamation. My boss was given a management position practically right out of nursing school. Okay, we went to school together. She had no prior management experience or nursing experience. When I went back to RN school, I had already been an LPN for 10 years. Okay, so I had plenty of nursing experience. She had the hookup. I'm ad-libbing and reading. <laughs> I'm ad-libbing and reading. She had the hookup. In my opinion, she had poor management skills. She had, here's an ad-lib, she had poor communication skills, poor people skills, okay, back to the book. The staff turnover rate was horrible, but that didn't seem to matter. I filed a complaint with the EEOC, okay? Let's move on to chapter... 17, it's very short, okay, I'm not going to read you the the final chapter, which is 18, I'm going to read 17, and then a few lines from 18, 17, I worked for five years as a CNA, 10 years as an LBN, and 10 years as an RN, I worked my way up the ladder, so to speak. I had a lot to offer, mainly because I still cared. Tonight's topic, I still cared. In my entire career, I only knew of one patient 
who made a complaint against me, and the complaint proved to be unfounded. You guys, I'm describing 25 years of experience here, okay? I'd love to say I went out with a bang. I'd love to say I finally became a manager. This was back in 2004, so after 2004, I actually did become a manager, but this is where I was at the time, okay? Ad-libbing and reading. Gained the respect of my peers and lived happily ever after, but I can't. Now I was in my 40s. The years of standing and walking had taken a toll on my legs and back. I could not and did not want to work the floor anymore. Though I was traumatized, I applied for several other management positions but did not get any offers. That was at this time. They were concerned that I moved around too much or did not have enough management experience. Look at the contrast. My boss at that time came right out of nursing school, landed a management job because she knew her boss, the Filipino nurse. They hooked each other up. They stuck together. All right? (sighs) Back to the book. In the end, I decided I did not want to be a nurse anymore. Circumstances propelled me to become an RN. Circumstances propelled me to seek management positions. And now circumstances pushed me out of nursing. I accepted the reality that I wanted to get out of nursing many years before this, not because I no longer cared for people, but because I was not allowed to care for people. In quotes, care. I was not allowed to, quote, care, unquote, for people. I grieved over the loss of my career, but more than that, I grieved that my career ended the way it did. It was a very difficult time for me. Thank God I won my unemployment claim without any problems in California. That was a challenge to do, okay? Um, But because I did not quit due to any fault of my own, but because of the hostile working environment, um, I won my claim. I'm ad-libbing and reading, okay? That helped to sustain my contribution to my family's income during the investigation of my claim. It took around 10 months for the EEOC to investigate my claim. During that 10-month period, I was compelled to write this story, the story of me, a black nurse. I did not know how things were going to end for me, but I knew this story would be my nursing epitaph. Like I said, I'm not going to read Chapter 18. You have to get the book to get all the scoop, okay? (laughs) I'm not going to read Chapter 18 and tell you how things turned out for me at that time in my life. I'm going to skip over to page 144, and I'm going to read. uh, A few lines from 144. 
In the meantime, I hope and pray that my story will somehow provoke and motivate some of you to relight the torch and carry it to the finish line. And when you do, restore the art of caring to the profession and reinstitute the spirit of excellence that is greatly needed in this ministry. And yes, I'm calling nursing and health care a ministry. It's what it's intended to be. It's what it's supposed to be. It is not what it has become. It has become a business. It has become a business that is given to filthy lucre, that is all about the Benjamins, that is mostly, I should say, about making money. And I hear horror stories after horror stories after horror stories of people who have been traumatized, injured, mistreated. I mean, my goodness, look what we just lived through with the pandemic. I didn't say pandemic. I said pandemic. Listen to some of my other shows to get my full um, opinion on all of that. But my family personally experienced some of the horrors of the pandemic when my husband was hospitalized um, within the first 24 to 48 hours of his hospitalization, the hospital gave him an additional infection of MRSA, M-R-S-A, that proved to be more than his body could handle. He already got COVID, and then they gave him MRSA on top of that. And he already only had one kidney already prior to him being admitted. He was refused some basic treatments that were standard to his care um, for whatever wicked reason. The doctors refused to give him some standard medication. ZPAP was something that he needed even in the past because he had weak lung capacity. Anyway, I'm getting myself worked up. I'll be back after the break. Has a tragic past shattered your future or your now? Don't let it. This is I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. And we'll be right back after these. Millions of people are sexually abused each and every day. Not just by rape, child molesters, or pedophiles, but by choice and through lifestyle preferences. Who would enjoy being raped again and again? Why is rape spiritual as well as physical? Can a sex offender be healed from abusing others? Find answers to these and other questions in the pages of Overcoming Sexual Abuse by Minister Diane Jones. Available online at authorhouse.com, this show's host page, amazon.com, and any major bookstore overcoming sexual abuse. 
I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet.com. The show dedicated to helping women find their way back to themselves after innocence was stolen by incest and abuse. Helping you heal. It's what we're all about. It's I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free on Toginet. And now, back to your host, Minister Diane Jones. All righty. I'm talking about restoring the art of caring. I was getting worked up because I was recounting my own personal experience uh, in which we received the opposite, the lack of caring. Okay, I'm not going to get off on a tangent about my own personal story. I've recorded that. It's I've talked about it in previous shows, you know, tributes to my husband. My daughter did shows with me. I can say that I know people personally, family members who have shared horror stories with me, so I am not biased by any means. Um, I, I, I... I am still able to acknowledge that there are good nurses and good doctors. Um, I know that they are far and few in between, that they are far and few in between, okay? And even when I advise my family members, I try to tell them that as a nurse, I don't want to bash other professionals, but... As a nurse, I also must point out the truth. I must advocate for the sick, okay, and the hurting, because that is what a true nurse does. I cannot deny, shield, or cover up the truth either, okay? Since I've returned to nursing, um, I, I returned to nursing long before this few weeks, a uh, few months ago. Um, I did become a manager. I did become an assistant um, director and different things like that over my career. But um, just since I returned to nursing in the last few months, I recently learned uh, of a situation uh, a nurse that I know just recently shared some of her experience with me, and this also helped to kindle tonight's topic because <laughs> I'm laughing, but it infuriates me. It infuriates me to hear these stories. Um, as a matter of fact, two, I, one was a nurse, one was a patient. Okay, one person was a patient, and she just recently shared with me how she gained a new appreciation for nurses once she got sick. She got sick a few years ago, and she was hospitalized, and she said she gained a new appreciation for nurses because she said the doctors may have diagnosed her and may have written orders and things of that nature, she said, but it was the nurses that cared for her, and she said that she had excellent nurses. I didn't think about that before coming on to do the show. I probably would have looked up her post, and um, she even named the hospital and gave them 
kudos, okay? Even though I had a, we had a horrible experience with my love with Chris, I still sent flowers and gave compliments and kudos to those that did serve him well, that did do a good job. So I want you to understand the balance and where I'm coming from, okay? Um, so the, back to this to this other person who was a nurse. One was a patient, and I thanked her for sharing that story with me because I told her I usually hear so many horror stories that it was good to hear a, a good story. It was that that ooh, that made me feel good being part of the profession. Well, this other nurse though, that just you know, made me aware of her situation, my heart went out to her. My heart went out to her because she was hired at a place that uh, her, her her clients, if you will, like, you know, some places call patients, patients, some call them clients, some call them, you know, residents, but her clients, if you will, were high needs. They had they had intense needs. She was hired because of her experience, because of her background, okay? But no sooner than she started the position, she started finding out the types of things that I always found out on jobs, okay? That it was more about, more about, I realized that money is part of the industry because of the way they do healthcare now because of technology and different things like that. But it was more about the money because they did not want her to actually care for the clients, not even to do the standard nursing things, not even to um, give medications, not even to document that she was giving medications not to communicate with doctors or the responsible parties of these um, clients who who could not advocate for themselves, uh, didn't want any paper trail, didn't even want the basics like nurses' notes. In every setting that I've ever worked myself, and I'm sure it's true of this nurse, you have to have a paper trail. This covers you. We were taught that basically documentation, it's like the job is not done if you don't document, okay? If you don't have nurses' notes, if you don't have progress notes, whatever your facility called for, weekly summaries or whatever they were called for, then you could not cover yourself. You couldn't cover the facility. You couldn't cover yourself as a nurse. But this nurse was put in a position where they didn't even want nurses' notes. They didn't want any paper trail. They didn't want any documentation. Okay. It just infuriated me and and just broke my heart um, to hear of this person's struggle. Here, when healthcare is already so fragile, the healthcare system is already so fragile. We were short-staffed when I went into nursing back in the 80s, the early 80s. The healthcare profession was already short-staffed. We are even more critically short-staffed now. 
because of the persecution that many face due to the pandemic. Thank God many people have been vindicated. Many people have been restored positions. They've won lawsuits regarding the abuses, you know, and the mandates that they were forced to, um, some were forced to comply with, others refused to comply with. Thank the Lord. Okay. With all of that going on, to hear this type of a story just really troubles me. It troubles me. So I encourage this person, this woman, to continue to do the work the best to the best of their ability. You continue to do the work regardless to whether it is accepted or not. If it means you're getting fired, hey, shake the dust off of your feet. But you Stand true to the work. Some of you might say, well, it's not that easy. I didn't say it was easy. I've walked it out myself. I've lived it over and over. It was not easy. If you read chapter 18 of my book, I'll, I'll describe how un, how difficult it was, the cost that, you know, the price that I paid, okay? I didn't say it was easy, but it is necessary, if there is no caring in health care, it is not health care. If there is no caring in health care, it is a violation of what health care is truly all about. Okay? I encouraged her to do what's right in God's eyesight and according to what she was taught in nursing school the old school way, I should say, because I don't, I, I, I don't even know what they're teaching now. I, I, based on the things that I'm seeing, it's like they're trying to throw out everything that people like me, my age, were taught. Okay, it is what is needed now more than ever, more than ever. Okay, so I share this woman's story parts of my own story from my book um, in honor of that nurse, in honor of other healthcare professionals that are making a stand, that refuse to compromise, okay? Those of us that are on the front lines, like I said, just returning to work myself, this past week I was tried I survived, I was troubled, and I was motivated. <laughs> okay? It's real. It's, as my daughter would say, it's real out there in them streets. It's real in the, in, <laughs> in the healthcare field. Okay? I will keep advocating that the art of caring will be restored to the healthcare profession I am calling all healthcare professionals, providers, to stand up, to fight back, okay? Don't falsely accuse me like people falsely accused the, the, the previous president that I'm saying to physically fight. That's a lie from the pits of hell. I'm not talking about a physical fight. I'm talking about resisting the status quo and the evil that would say 
you don't have time to care. We're not going to allow you to care. We want you to cut corners. We want you to lie. We want you to cheat. We want you to neglect. We want you to mistreat. I'm talking about fighting and resisting those evils. Insist on standards. Insist on them. Caring for the sick is a calling. It is a calling. It is a work that is very dear to the heart of God. He has compassion for the hurting, for the sick. That's why Jesus spent so much of his ministry healing the sick. Get my book to read my whole story. Be inspired. Do your part. Share this with somebody else. If you hear somebody else going through, encourage them. Let them know. We have to do this. It's not optional. We have to do this. All right? Until next time, God bless. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones on Toginet. Ladies, this is your chance to join us for stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet, in spite of the trauma of her early years, she went on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a straight-up show to enlighten and to lighten your load. Don't let the weight of this world or things that happen to you control your life. For more information on Diane and her book, go to her show page here on Toginet and email her directly. Then, get set to join us here again next Monday night for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com.